Support for NPR and the following message come from Ally. While you're working hard, is your money being lazy? Make your money work harder than ever with Ally's new smart savings tools. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit ally.com. Ally Bank member FDIC. The new Hulu series Shrill follows Annie, a young writer at an alt-weekly. She's trying to get her career moving, figure out what's up with her sort of boyfriend, and learn to feel good about her body. Annie is played by Saturday Night Live's A.D. Bryant, who developed Shrill with TV writer Allie Rushfield and with Lindy West. Lindy West wrote the 2016 book of the same name that forms the backbone of the show. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about the lively Shrill today, a show we all like, so don't go away. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the University of Alabama. Known for success on the field and in the classroom, offering over 70 online degree programs in business, communications, social work, education, and more. Bama by Distance provides bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree programs with affordable tuition. Set yourself apart with the degree you need while you continue to work full-time. Learn more or apply today at bamabydistance.ua.edu. Welcome back. You just met NPR Music's Stephen Thompson. Also with us here in the studio is Glenn Weldon of the NPR Arts Desk. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair today is Margaret Willison, who is one half of the Two Bossy Dames newsletter and one third of the Appointment Television podcast. Welcome back, Margaret, as always. Hi, you guys. It's so good to see all of you. And and Margaret and I have shared some of our excitement about this show. So rather than going to her directly, I'm going to go over to Glenn, who I consider somewhat less of the natural audience for Shrill than perhaps <laughs> I am. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Uh, and tell me what you think. I liked it a lot. Uh, A.D. Bryant is a star. Uh, and it just made me rethink SNL for a bit. Because, like, on Barry, we knew Bill Hader could do that. We've seen him do other things over the years. This is the first substantive thing I've seen Eddie Bryant do off of SNL, and it's just like, we are wasting people on that yeah. show. We are using one-twentieth of their potential. Yeah. You know, acting is reacting, right? So a lot of what happens in this show again and again is somebody says something stupid, ignorant, vile, unkind to her, and she reacts. An entire Russian novels take yeah. place in just her <laughs> silent reaction. She... This character moves through the world like a walking apology, just like regretting taking up space, which is why I don't think the title makes a lot of sense, because I get that if she just speaks her mind, she'll be called shrill by people. I think that's the idea. But we never see people do that. Well, so it's yeah. like, I don't know what th- this character is not. You couldn't, nobody could call her shrill because she's just so sweet, even when she self-actualizes a bit. So I, re- I really liked it a lot. Yeah, Glenn, I agree with you. And when you talk about reacting, one of my favorite early scenes in the show has her walking into a coffee shop and she sees a, a flyer for a personal trainer and she starts taking a picture of it because she thinks it's funny and goofy. And then the woman kind <laughs> yeah. of appears and gives her kind of the well-meaning pep talk about your health. Uh, oh my God, the... your wrists are so tiny. <laughs> there is a small person inside of you dying to get out. Oh, well, I hope that small person's okay in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it gets even possible, but you can do this. You weren't meant to carry around all this extra weight. Oh, wow, um, very cool. <laughs> I know I can help you. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. No, thank yourself for the amazing way you're going to feel after you give yourself permission to be well. Thank you, me. (laughs) Um, And her reactions to that are, like you say, they're very 
quiet, but they're very but layered yeah. and nuanced, and they keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephen, what do you think? I just accelerated through this show. There are six episodes on Hulu, and I could not hit that play next episode button quickly enough. Uh, I love this show. I love Aidy Bryant. I loved her. It, it, she's so funny and charming in the brief scenes that she's in in The Big Sick, which mm-hmm. give you some of a sense of the direction her career was going leading up to this. She is magnificent. The supporting cast is magnificent. If anything, only having six kind of 20 to 25 minute bits of this show with how many supporting characters there there are to develop made it feel unfinished in a way like I was ready to hit that play next episode button after the sixth episode in part because it kind of leads to a conflict I didn't find as interesting as everything yeah. else in the show. Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the pool party episode, yeah. episode four, which is one yeah. of the best half hours of television I have seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I what I have heard is that the six episodes has to do with how much time A.D. Bryant had off right. of oh. SNL. And it's funny that, you know, you mentioned her as uh, one of the friends in The Big Sick, and I agree she's really funny as the friend in The Big sick. She's also very funny in the Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty, in which she is one of the friends with Busy Phillips. A.D. Bryant and Busy Phillips, if you watch (laughs) that, you will instantly know they should have 25 movies where it's just the two of them Mm -hmm. like hanging around (laughs) in bars. They are so good and so funny. So I knew that she had a lot of this in her, even aside from how funny she is on SNL. But I agree that the the kind of the thoughtfulness of it and the sensitivity of it is certainly new for her in front of, you know, an audience of this size. Margaret, tell me about your shrill <laughs> feelings. I was joking with our producer that you could just call me a shill for shrill. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. really love it. I completely agree. I'd say, like, my biggest complaint is that there isn't more. And I think that that's particularly pertinent because... They've set themselves a more nuanced task with developing and displaying Annie's character. And if it's only six episodes long, I have like slightly less evidence to argue that like everything you feel about all of the characters on the show is very intentional. Right. Up to and including the parts where you're like, Annie, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, so she we mentioned that she has this. She has a semi-boyfriend, and I can't, I, I mean, I we definitely, I know his name. It's Todd, Brent, Luke, Bob, Dave. <laughs> it's Ryan. It's Ryan, Ryan. Played by uh-huh. Luca Jones. Uh, Kyle. I was, yeah. <laughs> Ryan. Fuzzy uh, galoot. Luca Jones. <laughs> so the problem with this is they cast Luca Jones, who I find a really appealing actor. I've seen him in a couple other things, and I always think he's so cute. And here he plays the guy who, like, he's into her. He's attracted to her. That's good. But he makes her go out the back. So he doesn't have to introduce her to his roommates, which... Makes her, like, climb over a fence. Well, here's the thing. So she thinks that this is because of her her looks. He doesn't want them to know that he's sleeping with the fat girl. That's my read of what she thinks right. it is. Yeah. I think there is some possibility that it's that, but I also think it's possible that he's just one of those guys who doesn't like talking to his roommates about who he's sleeping with. But he has no sense of how that's going to make her feel. He's ignorant about how that's going to make her feel to make her go out the back if you're a dude (laughs) just understand 
that concealing people, and honestly, if you're anyone, but I have seen this come up with straight dudes more than other people. I apologize if you have experienced it with someone else. But if you are in any way concealing someone who you are having sex with, they will think it is because you are embarrassed to be seen with them. So don't do that, whatever your reasons. And he, but like Margaret says, he has this like, winning goober energy that you kind of can understand why she keeps coming back to him. She's not sure how many choices she's going to have. She also knows that deep down he does like her and he does think she's cute. And Yeah, this is absolutely the most fatal type of straight man. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just like absolute garbage. Just like a, like not a kind or thoughtful person, but without a hint of maliciousness. Right. Just like earnestly raised to be completely entitled in a totally unexamined way. Oblivious. And like the second you point out to him, the thing you're doing makes me feel like trash. He's like, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'd never want to make you feel like trash. Oh, Ryan Kyle Todd. He might might as well be holding a sign that says, I am thousands of hours of work. (laughs) Yes. And And so I think one of the hardest tasks that this show sets for itself is that you have to understand why she keeps trying to make it work with this guy. And she's not a doormat in the sense that she doesn't pretend this is okay. She kind of keeps saying to him, this is not okay. I want more than this from you. She's not 100% sure whether he's going to do it. And when he does do it, he doesn't do it very consistently or he does it and then he screws up something else. Mm -hmm. So she is trying to stand up for herself. And I think that one of the hardest things they're trying to do, you have to respect her while also understanding that she's come to tolerate a lot that she shouldn't, whether it's from him or from her boss, played by John Cameron Mitchell, who is a sort of an avatar of Dan Savage. Yes. Which, and he's also superb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Go ahead, Glenn. But the fact that uh, we treat the boyfriend like that, just the show treats the boyfriend like that, as some a doofus who is able, perhaps, to course correct. Mm-hmm. That's the promise. That's the mm. idea. And... <laughs> That's what they that's, all are. Exactly. That's how but you like, lose years of your life. We've no, he seen... can course correct to a certain point, yeah. but he's never going sure. to be worth dating. I, I want to let Glenn make his point. <laughs> he can <though>. improve. <laughs> right. Sure. He can improve. Let's put it that way. We've seen this they character. Can all improve. <laughs> We've seen this character before, and he's the doofus that that usually in a straight ahead sitcom would get dropped in the first episode, and right. then things would go on. Mm-hmm. But instead, because they have this actor, and because they want to explore this territory, there it's an example of the show's generosity of spirit. It's generous toward all its characters. It is, however, I would say unhurried in its pacing. And uh, I did find myself every so often just wanting them to go, like, let's just let's oh, pick up the I pace a bit. At all. I, I because, did not feel that in the slightest. Because this is not a straight up sitcom. This is not set up punchline, set up punchline. This is slice of life. So you don't, I'm not just saying it needed to be jokier. I'm just saying sometimes the energy slagged, which is why I was so grateful for the casting directors who uh, (laughs) did not miss a beat. We got John Cameron Mitchell. We got Julia Sweeney playing her mom. We got Joel Kim Booster. We got a Joe Firestone. You give me a, uh, especially, especially, especially my MVP of the entire series. She only gets a few lines per episode. Patty Harrison, who plays Ruthie, the assistant, who uh, (laughs) gets a line or two, but everything she says is a different piece of business. It's like after every line, you (laughs) you can just see her going, chew on that because I just gave you that. (laughs) It's just she is so much fun. And also, at one point, uh, the character that A.D. Bryant plays deals with an Internet troll. And the reveal of who is playing that Internet troll (laughs) is the most spot on piece of casting I've ever come across. It's like, yeah. 
That's that guy. You yeah. just, that's that guy. You just listed so much cast without mentioning Lolly Adafope as right. her best yeah. friend, Fran, who is wonderful. She is really wonderful. In every scene she's in. And one of my complaints about where the show goes with its six-episode arc is you're getting a little bit less of Fran, and I wanted to just live in Fran's world. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is a show that would have been more satisfying to me as an opening 12 or 10 episodes yeah. rather than six. I agree with that. I think you would have gotten a little bit more of Fran who does have her own relationship. She is, you know, she meets a woman through kind of some of the stuff that she's doing with Annie, I think, was my impression of how they got to know yes. each other. So she does have her own relationship. But to me, the other thing I want to mention is that Fran plays a very key role in Annie's life because the first episode of this show deals with something that is very rarely dealt with yeah. in comedies, which is an unplanned pregnancy. First, Annie's efforts to get the morning after pill. And then yeah. when it fails, you know, she finds herself pregnant and she goes to talk to Fran. And it is Fran and not the boyfriend who she goes to to talk about it because she kind of knows that Todd Kyle Ryan Ryan <laughs> will be useless. She knows he will be useless so she doesn't really try to talk to him. Right. She goes and talks to Fran and they have this I think incredibly fair conversation where She's allowed to have a lot of different thoughts that are in different places, and yet she has to decide what she's going to do. And I feel like it's one of the most nuanced and thoughtful portrayals of that situation for right. a young woman in a relationship with someone she doesn't really trust, a conversation about the use of birth control, because, you know, her <laughs> basic reason for not reliably using birth control is he doesn't like it. Right. it you know, he, he prefers not to. I mean, it's just a, it's just a, it's a great conversation. And I agree. Lolly Adafope, fantastic. So good in that scene. I'd also say that she is really key to one of the things that the show does incredibly well that we haven't touched on that much yet, which is that it gives space to show that Annie is kind of crummy. She's not just being treated badly. She's also sometimes treating people badly. Mm -hmm. And yep. basically that this process of recalibrating from being a person who's told you have no worth or you have very limited worth to being a person who understands yourself to have innate worth and importance, like that's not a perfectly graceful transition and it is not something that is accomplished without any waste or hurt or self-absorption or mistakes. And this whole season is very much a story of her investing in these relationships where approval is conditional and neglecting these relationships where approval is profound, informed, and meaningful because when you're raised to believe you aren't worth anything, you can't trust the people who just know you're worthwhile right from the get-go. You chase these people who sometimes seem to think you're worthwhile and sometimes seem to think you're trash because if you can get them to say you're worthwhile 100% of the time, then you know you've made it. The, yeah, the one thing I would, I would add that I agree with everything Margaret just said completely. This show examines, and one of the most interesting thing I, I think it does in its overall arc, is it's examining the fine line between self-interest, between discovering self-interest yeah. and self-absorption. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and so she has these people who are in her orbit, many of whom she loves deeply, and she's suddenly not there for everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's also capturing some of like her the recalibration that has to go on where you are suddenly prioritizing different things. She is learning not to be 
a doormat has an effect on relationships that are actually still wonderful relationships, yeah. even though she's there for people less than she once was. And I, and I think, too, that the corollary to what Margaret's saying, I think, is that, you know, you're seeing Annie step out of a situation where she's always trying to be of use. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in her relationships with people, she's always kind of trying to add value in some way. Or she's just not asking for anything. Right. And and mm-hmm. so there's a trade-off there that I think you see in her relationship with Ryan, but also her relationship with Fran. And she's kind of trying to prove herself all the time. And ultimately, we haven't even really talked about the confidence part of this show and how much of it is about her learning to live as a fat woman and all that. But part of that is... She doesn't deserve to be valued because she's an extra special, awesome, angel, perfect person all the time. (laughs) Right. She's just like everybody else. And so I like the fact that her learning to value herself isn't predicated on her being a superhuman, a superhuman perfect who never screws up. She has the right to have confidence in how she looks and feel good about herself even though she's not necessarily any better than anybody else and sometimes is worse. Because you do eventually get, Stephen mentioned briefly at the beginning of this pool party episode, where she sort of thinks she's been working on how she feels about herself. She dresses really cute. She's adorable in this show. and then She's you, just beautiful. Yeah. She's just beautiful. You look at her and you're like, that right. is a beautiful, adorable, cute woman. Right. I would want to be around her. And then she goes to this pool party, which is populated by a lot of other fat women. That's kind of what its function right. is. And it's, what it's called the Fat is. Babe Pool Party. Yeah. And so she goes to this event and she, even though she's going there to be, you know, at this kind of body confidence thing, she wears jeans and a shirt to this pool party. And she gets there and sees all of these women who are happy and confident who are wearing bikinis and other kinds of bathing suits and who are jumping in the pool and all that. And it's this very freeing moment that I think a lot of people have had when when you see. And there's another moment, yeah, too. Yeah, that a lot of people have when right. looking at that scene, right. for one yeah. thing. And there's also a moment when she sees a woman on the street who That's is a, a fat woman wearing like a really just chic, slick, mm-hmm. turned out outfit who I think is a model. I think that woman is a <laughs> real plus-size model. Mm-hmm. And and she's overwhelmed by that, too. I think there's actually something that's really interesting that they do with the clothing, that by not having her have a makeover moment ever, mm-hmm. they're making a radical aesthetic choice. Mm-hmm. And they are, in some senses, limiting the character language they have to communicate the changes that she's going through. I would basically say that... Ryan is the bad outfits they don't make her wear. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is her, right. her living before picture. Right. right. <laughs> and I think that it's sort of beautiful to make the radical aesthetic choice to just let her be a fashion plate. Mm-hmm. That said, I do want to make a quick comment. The costume designer has been interviewing everywhere, mm-hmm. and deservedly so. She's created an aesthetically stunning piece of television, and her work is remarkable. However, she is not as experienced with shopping for plus-size women, and so she's saying some things that are sort of misleading. So if you are a plus-size woman or a fat woman, however you identify at home, and you're interested in clothing like what A.D. Bryant wears, don't 
trust the costume designer who says the only way you can get that is by making it custom. Agreed. There are definitely <laughs> many commercial venues where you can purchase dresses just as cute as the ones. Follow Margaret on Twitter. Follow. <laughs> You'll learn all about them. Margaret <laughs> offers them up on Twitter. You can also find a million women on Instagram who yeah. who make those kinds of... Kristen Sherico from BuzzFeed alone has incredibly cute outfits all the time. There are a lot of those women and Margaret is it's absolutely It's way harder. Right. No one would ever say otherwise. It definitely takes more looking and more ingenuity. It's more expensive. But the stuff is much more available than it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you want help, the internet is there to help you. I agree. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, I want to hear what all of you think of Shrill. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Margaret, as always, at Mrs. Friday Next. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, please do subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash popculturenewsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday. Welcome to the 21st century. Do you see Jesus in the burnt toast? Do you realize that literally there's a bucket of condoms by the exit? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? We cannot just uh, say stop, I want to get off. Invisibilia, season five. No easy answers, just the right questions. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club, where every bottle tells a story and NPR shows become wines, like Weekend Edition Cabernet Sauvignon. Available to adults 21 years or older. Learn more at nprwineclub.org.